Praise God. Well, let's get into some word today. Everybody ready? Yes. Let's do it. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, uh, turn with me to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians started a, a new uh, message series uh, last week called The Perfect Life. And uh, is that of interest to anybody the, to, be, <laughs> to have a perfect life? Uh, I realize I have to convince some of you that it's possible. Uh, because it sounds over the top, overstated. But uh, if you know where we're coming from, then you can see uh, this truth and how vital and important it is. Colossians chapter 2, and in verse 8, it reads, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Say, well, what are they trying to cheat us out of? Well, how about a perfect life? All right, we'll, we'll, of course, redefine that for you in a moment. Verse nine, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Who's him who, here? Him who? Jesus. Jesus. In Christ, in, in the Lord Jesus dwells all the fullness, nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing absent. Uh, verse 10, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. The, the you here, who is the you that is complete in him? Well, that would be anyone who has received eternal life, anyone who has been saved or uh, been born again, different ways we can say it, but anyone who's in Christ, then they are, as it's stated, complete in him. So let me uh, define these words for you once again. First of all, complete uh, from, the, from the Greek dictionary, or a Greek dictionary, there's more than one, to make full, to fill, to fill up, to fill to the full, to cause to abound, to furnish or supply liberally, to perfect, consummate. Anybody interested in those words? Yeah. Okay, I like that. Full, filled, complete, perfect. <laughs> or perfect, perfect, okay? Uh, the word perfect is defined in English language now, having all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics as good as it is possible to be. So you can't get any better than that. Are we really presenting that? Am I really uh, uh, saying today that your life can be as good as it's possible to be? That it can't get any better? You've got my attention. I mean, I've got my attention. I mean, if I were sitting where you are, I would say, you've got my attention. Because this is of, <laughs> of interest. Now, when we talk about the perfect tense of a word, it, it is denoting a completed action or a state, of, a state or habitual action that began in the past. So again, we're not seeking something if we're thinking about perfect that is not happening and we want to happen, but rather completed, perfected, 
something that has already taken place and that continues on. It didn't end and now I showed up. No, it started, it was completed, it was finished, and it continues. This is the language that is revealed to us by God that describes the person in Christ. They are complete. Praise God. So the way some of this works, by the way, is not that we measure our our experience against it and say, well, I believe that or I don't believe that. The way this works is we are to hear the word, hear the promise, uh, be open to the revelation, and then expect our outward condition, our physical life, to come in line with it. All right? The temptation would be the opposite. Again, what's the temptation? To do things that are not, to believe a, a, a philosophy, to believe a way of thinking that is contradictory to us being complete in Christ. To believe, based on feeling, experience, or observation, that we're not complete or perfect in Him, and then say, well, this is on you, Lord. Obviously, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. And that's your fault. That's on you. So that's the worldly way to approach. When it comes to faith in God, we hear what He says. We say, yes, sir. We say, amen. We say, I believe it. I accept it. I embrace it. I embrace this as true. And from that position, change takes place. Meaning my experience starts to align with my conviction. Not the other way around. Hallelujah. And so uh, uh, one of the ways the, uh, the words are, are given to us, for example, in the Psalms, it is stated that he sent his word and healed them, okay? Now, you might think that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why didn't he send his healing and heal them? And that's typically what we want. I need healed, send me a healing. But yet the scripture says he sent his word and healed them. Well, why did he do that? Well, that's the way that, the, that's the way that God's word works. The power is contained in the promise. It's contained in the word, in the statement, in the revelation of a truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, not you'll feel free and then be free. That's the way we want it. That's the way often just like, stick it on me. Hit me with it, Lord. Hit me with the freedom. Hit me with a feeling. Hit me with an emotional high. Hit me with a new body. Hit me with with a loaded bank account. And yet he says, here's what what I'll do for you. In other words, he gives us a promise. He gives us his word. He makes a statement. And we have to embrace the statement in order to experience that reality in the physical world. Hallelujah. That's why we can be cheated. That's why we can be robbed. Why? With other statements. With contradictory to complete in Christ statements. And we start entertaining those. We start believing those. And therefore, there's no power that comes to our experience because those, that power is contained within God's word, not the philosophies of man, Amen. not the traditions of this world. They're the basic principles of this world. It doesn't contain the power to save, to heal, to deliver and make free or to fill up, to make full, to make perfect. But God's word does. 
So any, this is why the enemy works night and day to get us to think outside of Christ, outside of the solution, outside of the answer, outside of the fullness of what he is and what he came, uh, what he came to be, what he came to bring to, our, to ourselves. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so uh, these... Uh, are they which conflict, these philosophies of this world, conflict with the completeness we have in Christ. Uh, you know, Colossians chapter 3 uh, tells us that our, that, that our life, how does it say it now? It's like the fifth verse. It says, uh, he is our life. Christ is our life. Uh, the temptation, again, there would be to say, no, I have Christ in my life, but sometimes I need something else to really fill me up, to really make me full, to, 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 to bring my life to completion. And that thought, I need something else. That thought, he's not enough. That thought leads us to pursue things that aren't the answer, to pursue uh, you know, material things, pursue substance, to pursue uh, sexual relationships, to pursue things that are outside of God, outside of his plan. Say, I need this to be happy. I mean, I still love the Lord, but he's not enough for me. Now, we wouldn't say it that way because that sounds blasphemous. <laughs> and it is. But we do that sometimes. I don't have enough. My relationship with you, I still need more. No, it's we're entertaining the thoughts that he's not enough. We're entertaining the concept, the idea that he's insufficient and there's things in this world that I need. That opens the door for lack of fulfillment and satisfaction and we become discontent in Christ and we start looking elsewhere and that's the trick. That's how we get robbed in this life. Okay? So now listen to what I'm saying. I am not proposing that we start seeking perfection we start seeking a perfect life. Rather, I'm stating that we believe in the revelation that we already have it in Christ. One of the great uh, deceptions is that, again, like we've been saying, that we don't have what we want when God says we do have it. And so if I then believe that I don't, I'll start pursuing these fulfillments elsewhere, okay? Any temptation for us to believe that God is holding something back is, would be incorrect. It's designed to lead us away from him, not to him. Thus, away from the solution, away from the answer. How many know God has not given us problems, he's given us answers? Solutions to problems. And so knowing that tells us where we ought to go. Praise God. When Jesus was uh, seated at the right hand of the Father, uh, how many know his seating signaled completion? He, he, he sat down, meaning I'm done. I'm resting now. Uh, that should indicate what we are to do if we're in him. He rested. What should we do? We should rest. So I'm not striving to get. I'm resting, believing that I already have. I'm not trying to be perfected, completed, filled, and I'm not seeking after that. I'm believing 
that he already did that for me and my life in Christ is full. So I'm going to rest too. Okay. Now, obviously that's not a physical rest, but it's internal. It's my internal disposition is I'm no longer going to strive for something. I'm going to set my faith in him and say, I believe I already have it. I believe he completed it. I believe this is already finished. Hallelujah. Now, when, uh, when Jesus was teaching one day about the farmer and the, as he called him, the sower, the planter, the one who uh, plants seed, and he said, uh, without us going through this in Mark chapter four, about the various types of soil that the seed would fall on, he said some, some of that soil, you know, would be, uh, some of the, the ground would be conducive to producing a harvest and some of it wouldn't. And he defined the four areas, and then he brought it over into our experience and said, this is the person who, there's the seed fell on stony ground, and this one fell on thorny ground, and so forth. One, in, in one of those, I just want to draw your attention to one thing, is in, in Mark 4, 19, he talked about the person who, who has the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and this, the desires for other things that come in and choke the word that makes it unfruitful. Just think about that statement. The desires for other things. That's exactly what we're talking about. When we get tempted with the desire for other things. What do you mean other? Well, other obviously is undefined, so it can be a myriad of, of, of things. But other things is other than God's word. We could say other than Christ. You're not enough. You're insufficient. Your word is not, is, is, is not doing the job. I need something else. Hallelujah. And uh, that is a very dangerous belief. If I start seeking something else other than acknowledging that I am finished, completed, a completed work in Christ, that's when I become deceived. That's when I, when I become cheated. Okay, let alone possibly... Uh, being unfaithful. Because if he says it's done, I say, well, you're not really enough. I don't, you know, I need something else. That could be in the realm of other God. I'm pursuing something else above you or beside you. You're not enough for me. Amen. Like in, uh, like in some countries, some more third world type of countries where there's more open practice of, of like witchcraft and witch doctoring and that kind of stuff. Some people, uh, some Christians, I'm told, are even tempted at times to go to witch doctors for healing. Because they're op- they're op- some of them, at least, are operating in spiritual power. It's just not from God. You know how, you know how nowadays someone will say, well, I'm not, I, I don't really go to church, but I'm more spiritual. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, demons are spirits. Yeah. So we might need a little more information on what you're doing. <laughs> just, just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it's from God. It could be demonic. And in those situations, it's like God is not enough, which is really an insult to him. But then we start looking, or some people start looking elsewhere. We might, you might not be doing the witch doctor thing, hopefully not. I don't even know where to find those, actually. <laughs> so I'm not tempted because I don't know any. Uh, but what else might we be tempted with where we're not making the Lord our source, we're not looking to him for our help, for, our, for answers, we're saying you're not enough or incapable or it seems like you're unwilling or something, and so I'm going to pursue my answer through alternate means. See, 
And, and the end result of that is, is we're, che- we're being robbed. We're che- being cheated out of something. So here's the starting place. We're committed. I have all I need in you. My hope is in you. My help is in you. My healing is in you. My victory is in you. My answer, my wisdom, my joy and my peace, my contentment and satisfaction. It's all in you. And I will look to no one or nothing else but you. Okay, that's a good starting point. And now we can go to the scriptures like this and say, wait a minute, I'm already complete in you. I'm already full. I've already been perfected in Christ. What happens after that? Now my body and my mind and my life and my experience is influenced to line up with it. It's being, it's being forced with spiritual power to come into alignment with God's will. Praise God. Go, go with me to Romans. Uh, the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And uh, we're going to start reading here in verse 6. Paul is teaching here them the difference between obtaining righteousness by the law, the law of Moses, versus obtaining faith righteousness, okay, which as we know is salvation. Uh, 10 verse 6, but the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. So so, so think about it now. Uh, we're, We're talking about someone who's saying something else has to be done. God has to do something. See, law righteousness demanded perfect obedience. You still have to do more. You have to do, you have to do everything right, 100%, then you'll be righteous, all right? Whereas faith righteousness does not require that we do everything right. It simply requires acceptance of Christ's sacrifice as sufficient payment for us. We're not saying, I have to do more. Faith righteousness says, I accept, I believe, I am convinced that what Jesus did was enough. His sacrifice, his death on the cross was sufficient payment for for my sin to be washed away and for me to stand before God holy, righteous, and pure. I'm never going to entertain the notion or think that I have to do anything else that will add to that. Everybody okay? Think about... Uh, think about this. When, when someone gets saved, they are, um, they are just as saved as someone who had been saved for a long time. It, scripturally, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. Which one are you in? Say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm mostly there. Okay. I understand you're mostly there up here, but you're not mostly there in reality. In reality, is we're either in or out. Say, I'm really close. Okay, you might be really close, but you're still out. I'm really thinking about this. Good for you. I applaud your, your you know, dedication to seek out truth, but you're still out. All right? And if you're in, day one, you're just as in as I am, and I've been in for a while. In other words, I'm, I'm in Christ have been for a long time. I'm no more saved than someone, we had, what, seven people get saved in the last service. I'm no more saved than they are. 
I'm no more, I don't go to a better heaven than they do. Right? There's only, well, there's three, but there's only one planet heaven. You know, there's the atmospheric heaven, the stellar heavens, and then the heaven, the throne of God. Not like, like you earn a different heaven. Contrary to popular belief in the Northwest. I don't mean that in an offensive way. I'm just saying it's not true. So I can't say but what is true. But someone is either in or they're out. You in or out. If you're in, you're complete. If you're in, you've been perfected in Christ. It's like, that sounds too good to be true. I know, because we didn't lift a finger. Jesus hung on the cross. But that's what faith righteousness does. It believes that he did enough. Therefore, he gets all the glory, all the credit, all the praise. He, he, he paid the full price. I'm not paying any of it. Well, you got to pay the price to go to heaven. No, you don't. Jesus paid the price. I'm not paying any of it. I'm not going to try. I couldn't. But even I'm not going to try. I'm not going to entertain the thought that I have to do something else to gain my, my acceptance before God. I don't. Faith righteousness says Jesus was enough. He was sufficient. He was all that I need. And, and saying that the work of Christ, uh, uh, this scripture, again, who will descend into the abyss? Who will bring Christ down? That's saying that he still has to do something. That's saying that what God did in Christ was not enough. I'm incomplete. I'm not fully taken care of. I need, Lord, I need you to do something else. He's saying, no, faith righteousness doesn't talk that way. How does it talk? Verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. So this is faith righteousness. This is how we, we gain what we want from God, is we accept that he did it. No one else, nothing else, nothing else is to be done. And our job is to say it. Say, certainly, it can't be that easy. It got to be more to it than that. That's where, that's where uh, human pride and ego wants to play a part in our salvation. We want to get some credit. We want to have something to do with it. And that's what keeps people away from God. It's absolute humility. It's absolute throwing ourselves completely onto his grace and mercy and say, I believe in you. I believe what you did. And I can't do anything to add to that. I can't perfect that in any way. It just is what it is. Well done, Lord. <laughs> you did it all. You completed the work. I believe you. So how do we access it? That's what he said. It's not far away from us. It's not something else that needs to take place. We just have to say it. That's this, that's this word of faith which we preach. It's believing the message and not adding anything to it. All we do is verbally agree. We verbally assent to its reality and say, I'm complete in him. The next couple of verses are what we use always for salvation about, you know, if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's the crux of how we, how we get into a relationship with God. We believe the message. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the, do what with the gospel? preach it. That's why that is superior to any other thing that we do. That's more important than feeding the poor. I don't say it has to be either or, but it's more important. It's more important than helping someone physically in some way. 
preach the gospel. It is by the foolishness of preaching that people are saved. It's why sometimes people let their education get in in the way of them knowing God. It's like, I've learned too much. Or someone says, I'm a scientist, so I don't know if I can believe this. Yes, you can. Science is not contrary to God. I realize a lot of scientists are atheistic, but that's just because they believe the different message. It's not because of fact. It's because of theory. And if it keeps someone away from God, man, it's, it's, it's troubling. It's costly. Praise God. Everybody okay today? I'm going to see what I have in my notes to see what I should say next. Honestly, I'm kind of all over the map, all over the map and I like to be more in, in order. But this is the message that we preach. It is Christ's finished work. Not he still has to come down. Not he still has to come up. Not there still needs to be more activity on God's part or on our part. Nope. It's just, it's right here. It all, all, the message of the gospel is right here. My life, my physical life is tied to, is contingent upon what I do with the message. I accept the message, the promise, the word of the Lord. When the word of the Lord comes to me and I say, yes, amen, I believe it. I accept it. I declare it. That's true about me. I speak this in, over my life, my body, my marriage, my finances. I declare what, what God has said about me, what Jesus has already accomplished. The curse is broken. I am blessed in heavenly places in Christ. And I get that in my mouth. For some, for some reason, in some circles, that's like controversial. It's like, Why? You putting God's word in your mouth and you want to trip theologically over that? That's a, like a really good idea yeah. <laughs> and entirely scriptural, but it is deception to pull people away from that simplicity that's in Christ. It is the enemy that works to get us to say, no, there's got to be something else. No, you can't be that easy. You have to do something else. Okay, let's start another religion then. <laughs> we'll start a do something else religion. There's got to be more religion. Desire for other things, religion. I don't know if these are good names. I don't know if they're catchy. (laughs) Might need a little marketing work. But it's all just a repackaging of the same thing. It's taking something away from what God did. Hallelujah. So don't be cheated. Amen. What do I mean? Speak the word. Declare that you are in Christ. And thus has furnished you abundantly. You have an abundant supply. You're perfect in him. I'm not going to relate to my life. I'm not going to think about myself outside of Christ once I know I'm complete in him. I don't want to entertain the notion that I'm incomplete or think of myself the way I used to be. Okay, watch out for the trickiness of religious thought that gets us to relate to who we used to be instead of who we are. That gets us to think about, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe your past life is certain types of sins or certain type of ways that you lived, and you think of yourself, well, that that's kind of who I am. It might be addictions, and it might be manner of life, and you still think of yourself that way, rather than saying, nope, the work's been completed. That dude's dead. 
those, those, those things have passed away. See, I, I'm not who I was before with Jesus added. Well, you know, you're the same as you've always been. You just have a little religion in your life. That's not the way the gospel works. Maybe some philosophies and religions out there, maybe they work that way. You're just you, but now you're also. With Jesus, it doesn't work that way. I am not the way who I've always been, and now I have Jesus in my life. It's kind of like sometimes you hear this. I hear this on TV sometimes where people will talk about an individual and say, well, they accepted Christianity. I think, ah, I think I didn't accept Christianity. I mean, it's almost like it's a philosophy. It's just a, you know, a system of beliefs or it's just a religion. I accepted this new religion. I left my old religion and I, got, I joined a new one. Ah, that is so not God. I didn't accept Christianity. I accepted the Savior. He's a person. I accepted Jesus. I am now in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. <laughs> the next verse says, now all things are of God. They're all of God. So I'm not who I was with Jesus. No, who I was is gone. And now who I am is all God. Say, oh, well, that's hard to accept because I'm looking at you. I don't think you're all God. <laughs> I'm not saying we are God. You understand what I'm saying. But this is really saying the same thing as Colossians 2, uh, 10 or 9. 9 or 10. 10. Uh, that we are complete in Christ. In him, we are complete. In other words, it's all God now. It's all him. He replaced the bad with, the, with, with himself. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Now, how do I relate to uh, past, the present, and the future? Well, if God says something has passed away, I need to say that and think that and believe that. If he said old things are passed away, I say old things are passed away. If he says I'm now that I am now complete in Christ, made brand new, then I say I'm complete in Christ. I'm not missing anything, not lacking anything. I have all that I need in him. And it is that initial step that is, remember, God starts his work with a word. He sent his word and healed them. And so I start by embracing and accepting the promise that leads to the experience not the other way around. And it'll always be that way. God's not gonna change, change up just because we don't like that method, okay? But I'm not gonna view myself as an old sinner saved by grace. No, I'm a new creation in Christ. Complete in him. He fills me. He thrills me. See, uh, one, let me finish with this today. The, the way I used to be is a real condition. I'm talking to any saved person, you would relate to this exactly the same. The way you used to be, that's a real condition, and that real condition is ugly. You weren't always, if you're saved now, you weren't always a good person. 
Well, I was. No, you're judging by human standards. You were without Christ and without hope. You were lost in your sin. It was despicable. It was despised. It was anti-God. See, if I think, well, I've always, I, I've always been a pretty good person, and then I, well, then you don't need to be saved. You don't need Jesus like the rest of us. And I can't find a scripture on that either that says that some of us don't need saved. So if I'm entertaining that, then I'm, I'm taking the, the punch, the power out of, this, out of my salvation. If I didn't need it, then what do I have? Something I didn't really need, and I was always a pretty nice guy anyway. I need to view myself as I once was lost. I was out. I was despised. I was rejected. I was, I was the opposite of the nature of God. It was ugly. It was sinful. It, was dis- it should be despised. That's who I was. And then I got saved. And now I'm the opposite of that. Now I am loved and accepted and embraced and filled to the full, running over the top with God's righteousness and perfection and completion. Now I'm the opposite of everything evil. I'm full of lights. I'm full of love. I'm full of God. I'm, full, I'm satisfied. I'm filled. I think it helps me to see this compared or contrasted to that. Not, well, I've, already, I've always been a pretty good person. And listen, I got, the person who's saying this, by the way, is not someone who's, who lived a life of crime. Meaning I got saved pretty young. And so if anyone's like me, think this way too. If you were older and you like lived like the devil and you did all kinds of evil things, it might be easier for you to relate to this concept. Say, so, yeah, I, I was that, and I have pictures. <laughs> There's video of me. Unfortunately, it's out there. Okay, well, you can do this e- even easier than me. I'm saying I was young, and so I didn't have a big sinful life. I mean, but I was separated from God by my sin. And if I can say that, I think anyone can. Amen? Let me give you this last verse today. Uh, 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2. Behold... What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Hold on. This is a result of the Father bestowing love on us that we're called children of God. In other words, we weren't called children of God. But he bestowed his love and now we are. Not his kid, now his children. Wasn't, now am. Was without, now with. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, so who's he talking to? Not just everybody, but the, the, the loved, the loved ones. And really that, say, well, he loves the world. He does, but he's speaking to those who have received his love. Beloved, it's like you would speak about your kids in a different way than you might speak about the neighbor kids. <laughs> Beloved. Now we are children of God. This is different than he goes on to what it's going to be. Okay, this is different than what uh, a lot of people say or think or philosophies of this world. For example, well, we're all God's children. No, 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 no. 
Now we are children of God. We weren't. We weren't children of God. We were, Ephesians 2.19, without hope. Lost without hope, without Christ, without hope. I was abandoned without God. Now I'm a child of God. Now we're in Christ. Now the work of the Lord has been completed in us. Recognizing the value of that position, of that existence, of that finished work, sets the stage for us to experience God on a whole nother level. The perfect life is something that God made and he put it in us. And it's who we are in Christ. My experience of life is contingent upon my knowledge of that and not being deterred or swayed away from that way of thinking and believing by the philosophies of man, the basic principles of this world. They're all working to pull me away from that reality. But I'm going to say, nope, I was out, but now I'm in. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was a sinner, but now I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I, I once had great need, but, need, but now he has filled me full, and I am complete in him. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's the way, listen, when you talk to the Lord and pray, you can start from that position. Thank you, Lord. What Jesus did worked. His shed blood was enough for me. His death and his resurrection, thank you that it's already happened and it never needs to happen again. You were successful. You redeemed me from death, hell, and the grave. You restored my life and you made me something special. Come on. And now on this basis, I approach you as my loving father. I am accepted in the beloved. I am redeemed by his blood. And on this basis, now we can pray. Now you can ask for him to do things for you or you can pray about someone else. But it's all based on not, Lord, why haven't you done this yet? Lord, if you really love people like I love people, you would help them more. <laughs> he sent his word and healed them. That's why our job is really important. What do we need to do? Communicate. We need to tell people about what Jesus already did because he's not doing it again. And he doesn't need to. One and done. And it lasts forever. Amen. And for our lives... We just battle the thoughts, the temptation to try to seek our fulfillment and satisfaction and wholeness and well-being from anything other than that. I say, Jesus is enough for me. How about you? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price, and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead, and he's alive today. I receive him now as my savior. I confess 
Jesus is Lord. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you. Thank you.